Coming up on Philosophy Talk, sanctuary cities. If federal immigration policy was more just, would there still be a need for sanctuary cities? We have met at this chosen ground to settle for good and all. Who holds sway over the five points? Us natives born rightwise to this fine land or the foreign hordes defiling it. What rights should undocumented immigrants have? Don't sanctuary policies make it hard for the government to do its job? When we're talking about people who are integrated in the community, I don't think citizenship status is a morally relevant way to distinguish who gets more and who gets less. Our guest is Shelley Wilcox from San Francisco State University. I think the fact that I live here, that this is my community, that I contribute to it, and so on, I think that's the thing that gives me a right. Sanctuary Cities, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Hi, I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. On Thursday, May 19th, come be part of Philosophy Talk's first live recording in over two years on the Stanford campus. We'll be thinking about the changing face of anti-Semitism with historian Francesca Trivolato. This event is free and open to the public. Everybody welcome. More information at philosophytalk.org. That's Thursday, May 19th at 7 p.m. in Leventhal Hall at the Stanford Humanities Center. We can't wait to see you there. Midnight, neath the starry sky. Nice work if you can get it, and you can get it if you try. What gives a city the right to offer sanctuary to undocumented immigrants? Can a city ever be justified in defying the laws of the nation? Don't the feds have an absolute right to control the nation's borders? This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landing. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the Jack Adams Hall on the campus of San Francisco State University. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford University campus, where Ken teaches philosophy and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Today, we're thinking about sanctuary cities. You know, this is a really complicated question, Ken. I mean, look, on the one hand, the Constitution clearly gives the federal government the right to make and enforce immigration policy, right? Yeah, that's right. But it's not just the right, Josh. It's actually the duty, and, and which leads to the complication, because uh, that might lead you to think that once the feds have established a policy, then a city like, say, our fair San Francisco here shouldn't just Thumb its nose at that policy. Well, maybe not if it's a morally just policy. Can, but look, the problem is that in our country, the immigration system is a disaster. I mean, it breaks up families. It forces people into the shadows. It turns its back on desperate people seeking refuge. Well, you'll, you'll get no argument from me on that score, Josh. Here's one thing I do know about sanctuary cities. They definitely provide a wedge issue that can be exploited by certain demagogues on many different sides of this thing. Well, look, it's unfortunate if that happens, but you have to admit they also do something else. They make our cities more just. Look, immigrants deserve humane treatment, and it's not just about them, it's also about the rest of us. I mean, don't you want our cities to be safer? No, nah, I don't want safe cities. Of course <laughs> I want, of course I want safe cities. But, but how 
precisely do you think that sanctuary policies managed to do all this good stuff? Well, you know, by putting less strain on local budgets, by, by encouraging undocumented people to come forward and report crimes, by allowing them safe access to education and health care. I mean, come on, Ken, would you really rather live in a city filled with sick, uneducated migrants cowering in the shadows for fear of deportation? God, no, that sounds like some nightmare scenario. But, but here's the question, how do we prevent that nightmare scenario? Look, okay, sanctuary cities, I mean, come on, you, even you have to admit, at best, they're about as effective as, at solving our national problem as putting like a band-aid over a gaping wound. And at their very worst, again, they just help increase all this division. Well, thanks to those demagogues you were talking about earlier. Well, I agree it's thanks to the demagogues, but you know, here's the sad fact. Demagoguery only works when, you know, real people have real fears and anxieties that can be exploited. Look, I'm not claiming sanctuary policies are a panacea. I mean, yeah, if we had more humane, just and effective national policies in the first place, we wouldn't need sanctuary cities. But we, we don't have those things, Ken. We aren't living in an ideal world. We're living in the real world. Uh, yeah, we are living in the real world. But even in the real world, come on, tell me how you think it can be a good thing for cities to openly flout federal law. Look, sanctuary cities don't have to flout the law, right? All they have to do is refuse to be deputized by the feds. Yeah, yeah, but in the refusing, they're kind of giving the finger to the federal law enforcement, aren't they? And then, aren't they actually, even if they don't intend to, are they actually helping to undermine the rule of law, don't you think? No, I, I don't agree with that, Ken. Look, there's a big difference between positively hindering law enforcement and just not helping law enforcement. The, the thought is this, right? If the feds want to round up and deport undocumented individuals, okay, they're free to do so. They just can't expect any help from us, the local authorities. How does that undermine the rule of law? Well, yeah, well, because, okay, think about ordinary citizens. Suppose ordinary citizens, you and me and all the people in this room, suppose we took that attitude toward the law. Okay, when anybody in this room sees a crime, they refuse to report it to the authorities. Come on, wouldn't that make them complicit in the spread of crime? So how's it any different with sanctuary cities? Well, look, sanctuary advocates don't see themselves as spreading crime, Ken. On the contrary, they see themselves as resisting it. Yeah, yeah they do see Okay, why? Why? Well, because our, they see our immigration system isn't just broken and dysfunctional. Is it like supposed to be like downright criminal or something? Well, look, at least some sanctuary advocates see it that way, Ken, yeah. I mean, they see themselves as righteous crusaders engaged of acts, in acts of you know, civil disobedience, right? I'm not totally convinced they're wrong. Well, I don't know, Josh. Problem is that way too many people think they have like a monopoly on righteousness and they don't talk to each other and that's why it's so darn hard, so hard, to strike a balance among all these competing points of view. Well, to help us think about how we might achieve such a balance, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to examine the history of contentious debates over sanctuary policies in our fair city, San Francisco. She files this report. If you want to understand why we have sanctuary cities today, the first place you should go is a church. So this will be where I came as a newly arrived refugee. Jose Ortiga once lived inside a Catholic church in San Francisco's Castro district. He fled El Salvador in the early 80s after a death squad came looking for him. My sister came early in the morning, physically, as I was leaving the house where I was staying, and told me, you gotta go. There is no time for questions, there is no time for investigation, you gotta go. Churches at the time declared themselves sanctuaries for undocumented immigrants like Artiga, 
but even in the shelter of churches, many immigrants were still afraid of the police. The San Francisco police actually took part in several immigration raids during that era. Bill Hing is an immigration professor at the University of San Francisco. He remembers when police helped immigration agents raid a Mission District nightclub. And that was quite upsetting because it scared the heck out of immigrant communities. In response to the community's outrage, Hing helped draft the city's first binding sanctuary ordinance in 1989. It said the city would not use resources to help federal immigration agents. When Maria Hernandez, a community organizer, moved to San Francisco from Mexico in the early 90s, she didn't realize there was this new policy. I didn't feel comfortable or safe at all reporting anything to the police. Um, I'm actually a survivor of domestic violence, um, and I didn't feel safe reporting any of that before I knew that I had rights in the sanctuary city. When she did learn she lived in a sanctuary city and what that meant, her perspective on herself and the world around her changed. Ha sido como un respiro. It's been um, a, a real uh, reassurement, a breath of fresh air, a respite, um, because uh, knowing that we have rights in, in the U.S., in the city, that we have access to services, um, it gives me a calmness um, and it gives me a semblance of normalcy in my life. But by 2008, San Francisco's sanctuary city policy came under attack. An undocumented immigrant killed three people during a traffic dispute in the city. Here's former Fox News anchor Megan Kelly. A suspected MS-13 gang member here illegally from El Salvador. Ramos had been convicted of two violent crimes as a juvenile, but he was never referred to the feds for deportation because San Francisco is a sanctuary city. After that, police began turning over kids to ICE for minor crimes, like bringing BB guns to school or stealing change. The immigrant community was outraged once again. In response, San Francisco officials restored its sanctuary city policies. Then, in 2015, Kate Stanley was shot and killed in San Francisco by an undocumented immigrant. That suspect was later acquitted of all charges. But the tragedy caught Donald Trump's attention during his presidential run. You know, Kate, magnificent Kate, shot in the back by and killed in San Francisco, sanctuary city. Can you believe it? I have property in San Francisco. I own a big chunk of the Bank of America building. Can you believe it? When Vicki Hennessy ran for sheriff that same year, she promised to cooperate more with ICE, and she won on that platform. But the immigrant community pushed back. I ran on having stricter enforcement of, of immigration laws. I did run on that, but once I got here and I started working with everybody in city government and I worked in, uh, with people in the community, I realized that the problem in making it too strict to, would have been to cause that distrust of the community. In the past, San Francisco politicians and officials criticized part of the city's own sanctuary policy. That doesn't happen anymore. At least for now, those threats are coming from the feds. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.